Welcome to the On-Premise IT Podcast, the only show that dares to be both on-topic or on-premise and uh, sometimes on location or on-premises. Each time we meet, we bring together a group of IT experts to discuss a single idea or premise. On today's episode, which is brought to you by Solidime, we're talking about QLC SSDs. Are they really ready for mainstream? Well, that's the topic of today's discussion. Before we get into that, though, let's meet who's on the panel today. Hey, Stephen, I'm Roger Carell. I'm with Solidime. I'm in the data center organization, and I am the director of solution marketing. Hi, I'm Karen Lopez. I'm based in Toronto. I'm data chick on all the social medias, well, most of them. And I'm Alistair Cook. I'm an independent analyst and trainer based in New Zealand. And I'm Stephen Foskett. Uh, organizer of Tech Field Day, publisher of Gestalt IT, and host of this podcast, along with our Utilizing Edge and Weekly News Rundown podcasts. My background is in storage, though, and one of the things I have known and seen and, and lived through for many, many years is the concern about multi-level SSD, multi-level NAND, and, and, and people feeling like uh, it's not ready for prime time. Now this goes, Roger, as you know, all the way back to the first earliest uh, MLC when they when they first started having multiple bits, uh, uh, and, and now you know we're at Q uh, Quad Four uh, LC, and so it's mm-hmm. natural, I suppose, that people might be saying, "Hey, hey, wait, 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 is that really ready? Is it reliable? Is it fast? You know, uh, what do you think?" So. Great question, Stephen, and you're absolutely right. It's interesting when you go from, um, you know, kind of look back through the um, the various transitions of, you know, bit per cell density increasing. So whether it was SLC to MLC, MLC to TLC, and now here we are with TLC to QLC, there always seems to be this uh, angst uh, in the industry around Wow, what does this uh, you know bit per cell density uh, increase mean? And 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 there is this um, uh, almost kind of I guess like these rules of thumb that the industry, regardless of the transition, uh, applies. So I call these, and I don't know if my colleagues at Solidime call them, but I call these like the rules of thumb, you know, the misconceptions about the bit per cell density increases. So there is a, a perception that read performance comes down significantly with bit per cell. And I'm here to tell you the reality is our latest QLC products, which uh, we will be introducing uh, shortly and, and we'll talk about later in the podcast, have equivalent read performance to TLC SSDs. There is a perception that write performance comes down significantly. Um, and our um, uh, latest generation of QLC products uh, perform within about 20% of uh, certain TLC SSDs that are targeted at kind of that read intensive or mainstream workload. There's a concern that latency doubles uh, with every bit per cell. Our TLC SSD latency on average across kind of all uh, latency metrics is in within 20% of what we consider our class leading TLC SSD. Write endurance. The industry, the industry expected. This is this is kind of cool. The industry expected write endurance for QLC to come in around 
150 to 1,000 PE cycles. We're at 3,000 PE cycles with our fourth generation QLC. And so when you look at those PE, 3,000 PE cycles, you throw that on massive capacities, you're really dealing with just a, a huge amount of petabytes written that is more than ample for a lot of mainstream and read intensive workloads. And then finally, there's this perception that data integrity or you know data errors uh, just um, you know increase. And our QLC SSDs have equivalent quality reliability for both a drive reliability and kind of a data integrity or data reliability perspective as our TLC SSDs. So given that those claims, uh, th this whole idea, the perception versus the reality here, um, I, I guess, uh, have you first, Karen and Alistair, have you heard uh, people talking about MLC, TLC, QLC as being somehow a compromise in terms of reliability and performance? And, and if you have, um, you know, what do you think about that uh, from a technologist's perspective? I think Roger's absolutely on on the point here. We've we've seen this just continuing through. Every time there's an innovation in, in solid state storage, there's a perception that there's there's got to be a cost. Something has to be lost in order to gain this increased density. And the reality I, I think we've we've seen each time is that products designed for the different characteristics of the underlying media can actually alleviate a lot of the expected differences. If you just implement exactly the same kind of technology in, in the drive that you'd use for SLC with QLC, yeah, you're going to get a, a pretty poor drive. But if you design the drive, the firmware, the controller, the, the actual over-provisioning, all of those other elements around the capabilities of the actual flash underneath, you see far fewer of these constraints. Um, it's fundamentally comes down to you need some time to develop that engineering. And, and once that, that engineering is developed out, the products become reliable and fit for a particular part of market. And, and that's another important element. These aren't products that you're going to use for absolutely everything in your entire storage estate. And the decision becomes where in your storage estate makes sense to use the product rather than should I use it at all or should I stick with what I've always been using? Um, I, I agree to a degree with what Alistair said. I mean, of course I agree with him. Um, but I think like as a data person, I see everything beneficial about optimizing technology use for your data stories, your data workloads, the size of your data, the trade-offs. So one of my uh, engineering mantras is everything comes down to cost, benefit, and risk. And I also like to rely on my systems engineering, systems design engineering backgrounds on every time you optimize a subsystem for a particular use, there's a trade-off, and that often comes at the cost of something else. We see it throughout our lives. We see it in engineering, but that's not a bad thing. It's like what we learned when we went from regular old transactional databases to data warehousing. So we went from optimize for write to optimize for read, and we use those two different architecture approaches for different data workloads. So I kind of see a really huge analogy here. Like if what Alistair's saying, if it doesn't matter that you've optimized now to have what I'll call more density in your storage, but you play off that optimization by taking care of the trade-offs, 
why should this be a downsize downside to any of it? So great comments from both. I think um, if it's okay, I want to comment uh, something particular that Alistair talked about. I, I think Alistair talked, he didn't, might not have used this language, but he talked about the right workload or the right target. So we are not here saying QLC for everything, but QLC for a lot of things. And a lot of things are becoming, uh, the, the, that lot of things is becoming even more. <laughs> I don't know if that was a twist of phrase or whatever. Uh, as you look at uh, workloads becoming more and more read dominant, right? You look at the size of AI ML models, the most advanced natural language processing models have increased 10,000 X in the last five or so years. Maybe something that's more relatable uh, for a layperson is a two-hour HD movie is almost 10 times bigger than it was just six or seven years ago. So there is a need in the market to store and access vast amounts of data efficiently at speed. And that's really what QLC excels at. So again, to get to the points that Alistair and Karen are talking about, it's You've got it. You deploy QLC in the right area, which we believe is a wide swath of mainstream and read intensive workloads. And you are going to get value without any, I hate to use the word, without any sacrifice to what you require at a solution level. One of the interesting uh, articles I read recently was about organizations that are retiring storage systems or at least retiring the, the solid state storage that's at its they've depreciated it it's worth nothing on the books it's three years old they're retiring it and then they're looking at the actual life left in these drives and that they're three years old have been used intensively and they've only used a third of their right endurance across those three years i think that really targets towards this idea that a lot of workloads are transitioning to be a lot more read intensive. And uh, once the data has been paid down, it's, it's not changed. Uh, and, and just to kind of further that point, so absolutely agree with this increasing, um, I don't know, shift to read dominant workloads, we're seeing kind of drive trends uh, that are kind of reactive or follow uh, that, that, that workload uh, uh, shift. One is what you pointed to. There are large scale studies that I'll, you pointed to one study. I'd love to get uh, access to that. There is a large, I want to say almost 2 million drive study that came out of the University of Toronto within the last couple of years that showed that 99% of the drives um, at the end of their warranty, you know, five-year life cycle, consumed something like less than 15% of the available rights on the drive. And correspondingly, as a company, we're seeing um, not, not only within Solidime, but across, um, you know, SSD vendors uh, at large, we are seeing um, a decline year over year in kind of the average uh, drive right per day rating uh, uh, shipments going out to now 
I think if you just went back a couple of years, uh, year average was maybe around, uh, you know, more than one drive right per day. Now, the vast majority of your drives are shipping at or slightly below one drive right per day. Like I support all that as well. And I wanted to point out that most of the things I've heard out in the industry about concerns about QLC wasn't so much about write speeds, but it was about this perception, or sorry, the other way around, wasn't so much about read speeds, but the perception that write speeds are slow. And, you know, I point out to people that very large read optimized workload, data workloads, typically we don't care as much about the write speed as the read speed because we're optimizing for read. And the example I use is some very large analytical workloads, like we don't even back them up because we just reload the data because that's can be faster or just as fast as a restore. And um, I think that's the nature of like, I live mostly in the transactional world. Sorry, everyone, it's because I'm old. Um, and that's what my background is. And you use the word, the switch to analytical or the switch to read optimize. I like to think of it as, we're just growing that like crazy because now we have the hardware and the tools and the storage and the affordability of storage to actually grow all those workloads. Whereas, you know, back in the 80s when I started working, we only had transactional because that's all we could afford to do, maybe with some reporting. So I'm super excited about the growth of these new uses, whether it's AI or ML or cognitive services or any of those things because I've seen all the technology rise up to meet those needs. Right, and Karen, just to um, uh, tag along to a, a comment you made uh, about the rise of these read dominant or read-intensive read workloads, this same large-scale study that, uh, that I talked about a minute ago, it also showed that the vast majority of drives, and again, this was an enterprise study covering almost 2 million drives, that uh, your average mix was 80-20. So, you know, very, very read heavy. So one of the other things I think that we've seen from a storage perspective, and this has been interesting, is that um, the capacity of drives also affects reliability in, in that, you know, if you have, uh, you know, terabyte scale, multi-terabyte scale drives, then that gives you the ability with, you know, wear leveling, to make sure that you're not really hitting, you know, the same cell again and again and again. And it's one of those things I think that maybe is hard for people to kind of get their heads around. But once you once you think about that, and once you realize that, you know, you're not talking about the old days when you had like a 32 gigabyte flash drive that you were continually hammering on, if you've got terabyte scale drives, um, you can spread those, those rights out and it doesn't really hit it as hard as it used to. I like to use the analogy of uh, batteries, like electric vehicle batteries. You know, if you had a tiny battery that you're continually charging and discharging, charging and discharging, then it's obviously putting a lot more wear and tear on that battery pack than if you have a very large one like modern electric cars do, where you're continually keeping it kind of in that sweet spot in terms of performance. And it's really the same when, it, when you look at these, these drives. And of course, a lot of these drives also have buffers and, um, you know, other ways of mitigating the, the, the sort of right intensity that's going to them. And as Karen points out, uh, applications are, are less intensive as well because these things are much more mainstream. 
So I think that we should kind of turn the page here for a second and think, okay, so if a lot of the sort of old wives tale about QLC or the concerns about QLC, I don't want to make, I don't want to, you know, say that it's not right. It is right. I mean, the technology does have less, um, you know, right endurance, but there's just more of it. So it isn't as much of a problem and the drives are designed for it. Uh, what do these drives deliver? So obviously capacity, right? If you're, if you're QLC, you got more capacity in the same space. Um, tell us a little bit more about these. So, you know, you've got a QLC SSD. What does it give you? Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, so let me start with maybe just kind of a high-level overview of the capabilities, just to kind of sum that up. And I'll 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 be speaking to our fourth generation of QLC SSDs. Let me repeat that again. We are on our fourth generation of QLC SSDs. We have been shipping these in volume since 2018. So it's that um, law, that legacy of QLC leadership that has enabled us to, to deliver drives of the capabilities that, uh, that I'll, uh, I'll speak to. So our fourth generation family will consist of what we call an essential endurance drive. So this will give you around 0.58 drive rights per day, massive petabytes written, uh, which we believe is more than sufficient for a lot of these target workloads that we're talking about. But what's really exciting, what you were asking about, Stephen, is, is the capacity of these drives. Um, we, they will span, the essential endurance will span 3.84 terabytes all the way up to 30.72 terabytes and be available in what we think is um, arguably an industry-leading portfolio of capacities that, you know, populated on, um, on a wide range of, of form factors. So for um, customers who want to kind of utilize their existing chassis, existing infrastructure, uh, we will have up to 30.72 on a U.2 form factor. And for customers who really want to get the benefits out of EDSFF and not to go deep on EDSFF, but really quickly touching on the benefits of uh, space optimization, operational efficiency, um, you know, much more efficient uh, cooling, uh, improved signal integrity, uh, et cetera, a better serviceability. So there's a lot of reasons to move to EDSFF. So on E3.S, uh, up to 30.72, and on E1.S, on uh, up to 15.36. So we believe with that range of form factors and capacities, we can really, uh, we're in a good spot to help our customers get the benefits of QLC, whether they're solving for a storage array, a server configuration, a 1U server, a 2U server, et cetera. And it's worth repeating, and then in terms of performance, TLC equivalent reads right up there, equivalent to, in some cases, slightly ahead of best-in-class TLC drives that are targeting these same mainstream workloads that we are with this QLC. So uh, there's multiple benefits, Stephen. So it is space efficiency. When you talk, talk about the number of servers or racks to store equivalent data. So space efficiency, uh, capacity density is one advantage. And then 
you could almost think of it as uh, an offshoot of that or a natural outspring of uh, efficient uh, space efficient density is the TCO advantages that, that come with that. Um, you know, less hardware to acquire, um, you know, uh, savings of uh, data center footprint, lower power uh, cost, lower cooling cost. And then to kind of continue that and, and game that out almost to the next step with uh, improved TCO is, is sustainability is an offshoot of that lower cooling costs, less, less hardware to disposition at the end of life of the drives, um, a much more, a smaller data center footprint. So, uh, storage density, TCO sustainability. So you had me at sustainability. That's something I always want to hear about as we're innovating these new technologies and everything. So I do like that whole story of just fewer pieces of hardware plus lower power consumption. Um, I'm thinking of the days when we're here talking about Dodeca LC um, <laughs> SSDs. So I think that's 12, but I always get that mixed up. <laughs> um, I do think though that there are a lot of people who don't understand that specific thing about this greater density story is that they're always thinking that something more powerful requires more power. And I think it can at times, but also, again, coming to the bigger picture of TCO, that this is also a great reason to be looking at, you know, fewer pieces of hardware. Right, exactly. Yeah, Karen. So we see, we've actually done TCO analysis versus what we, I guess you could call kind of the top configurations that we think our customers will consider these drives for. So we've done TCO analysis using kind of object storage as maybe a, a proxy for overall TCO opportunities with this. So our TCO um, for solving for, let's say, a seven petabyte um, object storage array, uh, comparing like TLC form factor to like QLC form factor, but you can get twice the capacity on, 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 on a per drive basis. We're seeing TCO benefits, uh, you know, that are almost approaching, uh, uh, almost approaching 30%. Now, when you factor in um, uh, the modern form factor uh, into the equation, then that TCO e jumps even further because EDSFF, uh, thinner, more efficient than U.2. Uh, uh, so the benefits get even higher. Now, when you, so that was an all TLC to all QLC array. Now, when you look at solving for that seven, that same seven petabyte storage array, looking at a hybrid configuration. Now you're getting um, an all QLC versus hybrid TCO that is getting between 35 to 40% TCO savings. So significant savings. I've always been interested in the EDSFF, whatever the current name for it is, um, technology, you know, what, what, what was first launched as the ruler. Uh, and I was very excited to get my hands on one when I was at Supermicro a few years ago and uh, get to look at it. Um, 
I hadn't considered that difference in the physical shape leading to better, that was a big driver for the cooling. And I was thinking about it, that the distance from the edge of the ruler to the center is much smaller than the distance from the edge of a, a U.2. And that's going to give you much more efficient cooling. And there's, there's a whole lot of benefits that flow out of that, that change of form factor that I, I hadn't really thought of. I'd just seen it as you get more storage in the same space. I can't remember the exact numbers, but you're 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 right. You're, we call it a Z height. The Z height of, um, let's say, an E3.S is going to be much thinner than the Z height of a U.2. So literally, you can you you are going to be able to get more of those across the front of a uh, of in the in the case of E3.S. I would assume we're talking about a two U um, uh, rack unit. You're going to be able to get much more across. To your point on cooling efficiency, the way you get to really big capacities on a U.2 is you take that board and you sandwich it. And now you've got all of these die facing in the center. Your, your NAND media is facing in the center. With all that space available on, on the PCB in an E3.S, your die is facing outward. So they are closer to heat dissipation. So you're able to get much better cooling efficiency on an E3.S versus a U.2. And there's a different dimension to the density as well as we start thinking about putting these into, into places that aren't designed to have a large amount of IT. And this is where the Utilising Edge podcast um, starts to be very interested in, in uh, QLC is the idea that we need more and more data inside smaller and smaller locations. As an example, a, a store that's running uh, a large retail business will be storing uh, video surveillance information, but also receiving a whole lot of uh, images for digital signage, and, and that's transitioning towards digital video signage, so even more data being sent down. Uh, this idea of getting more data efficiently, low cost, at my thousands and thousands of locations, it's directly applicable in the same way that that lots and lots of drives inside a smaller space is applicable in a bit larger data center. So uh, I think there's, there's use cases for this beyond simply, I need a lot of storage in one place um, in terms of you know, the, the seven um, petabyte uh, object store. I, I think you are spot on, Alistair. Yeah, uh, that uh, that TCO number that I told you was was in maybe in all likelihood kind of a core data center, but for some of the reasons that you're, you're talking about, uh, we are seeing a I don't know what the industry calls it, a decentralization or a redistribution of, of compute and storage from core to mid-tier to edge. And that, when, the further you move from the core, um, so storage challenges we think are, you know, kind of fall into the same buckets uh, across that continuum. But those storage challenges become more acute the closer you get to the edge uh, for, for obvious reasons. Uh, space is more limited. Uh, maybe your available power is more uh, limited. Uh, that facility might not be built from the ground up for cooling efficiency. Uh, real estate is expensive. So I think um, the benefits that QLC can pay off in core data center deployments uh, become even more so when you're talking about mid-tier deployments and even more so when you're talking about edge deployments. 
So we've talked here uh, about the transition from uh, you know multi-level to uh, TLC to QLC. We've talked about the realities of what these drives can do in terms of you know just the the, the flash, but also in terms of of wrapping them and, and and producing a drive in a new form factor that has different uh, capabilities and new benefits for for end users. Um, what do we think about how these things will be used in the real world and what the real world benefits of these things are really going to be? Al, let's start with you. I think there's a, a lot of benefit here around using the right tool for solving the problem. And the sort of problems that QLC Flash in a well-engineered system are, are going to solve are around that huge amounts of data primarily used for uh, reduce cases. Uh, and that may be just that it's, it's write-heavy data that's deduplicated, and so you, you never overwrite. Um, and, and I think the, the TCO element of it, the combination, I mean, it, it hits as a triple factor of less hardware to manage, less cost to operate it, and less impact on the environment because of those first two. I think the adoption of QLC is going to be a, an essential part of moving forward with storage and IT. I think that... Um... My advice to complement what Alistair said is that don't bring your old school storage business model to evaluate new hardware and technologies. And so to translate that for people, don't use your old spreadsheet. Think about a true total cost of ownership that includes green um, power consumption, as well as fitting the technology to your modern data workloads. So I agree with uh, both what Karen and Alistair said, a, a, a term that we've kind of been using internally within Solidime is that, that QLC is, is right-sized for its targeted workloads. I think you uh, I, I, I get back to a term Karen said, uh, old school or, you know, dust off your spreadsheet or whatever that that TCO math that you've been doing with TLC that 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 customers are so familiar with imagine what you can do with QLC uh, for mainstream and and read intensive workloads paying off with TCO paying off with sustainability paying off with uh, just a smaller storage footprint uh, a, a denser uh, footprint um, and I, I guess maybe I'll wrap it up with kind of a, I, I prefer rather than call to action to call it kind of call to opportunity. I think the opportunity is become familiar with these, uh, with the fourth generation of um, QLC drives that Solidime uh, launched in, in May. We have a TCO tool um, that is available on our website. There's a lot more information available on our website. I believe, um, hopefully I'm right about this, I believe our, our TCO tool also has some recent kind of sustainability features built into it. And, and that'll give you, you know, kind of a, it, it's not a perfect tool. Things are different, right? Duty cycles are different across workloads and, um, you know, capacity utilization is different across workloads, uh, et cetera. Um, but it can give a pretty good uh, kind of first pass estimation on your TCO and your sustainability benefits from QLC SSDs. 
Yeah, thanks for that, Roger. And, and I think that it's been really an eye-opening conversation because, again, I think a lot of people out there might be listening to this and just not realizing the fact that we are well into the QLC world. We are well into the ultra-dense uh, world. And, and also that the form factors of SSDs are radically changing. Uh, not just the underlying flash technology. And all of these are allowing us to do things that are fundamentally different from what you could do with SSDs in the past. So I really appreciate that. And I urge people to check out the uh, the Solidime uh, fourth generation uh, QLC SSD family and, and learn more. Uh, before we go, Karen and Alistair, uh, where can we continue this conversation with you as well? So uh, definitely on social media, I'm Data Chick. Uh, I'll be talking at... Uh, the Data Governance and Information Quality Conference in early June, and the Enterprise Data World coming in September. So I'm really looking forward to that. And you can find me online as DemitasNZ. So that's uh, demitas.co.nz for my blog and demitasNZ on, um, on Twitter. You can also find me on the Utilizing Edge podcast along with Stephen. And uh, you'll also find me in person at VMware Explore uh, in August or September, whenever it is. Thanks, Alistair. Uh, indeed, I do recommend checking out the Utilizing Edge podcast, which you can find in your favorite podcast application. You'll also be able to uh, tune in for another Edge Field Day event coming up here in a couple of months in July. Uh, we'll be uh, talking about uh, Edge applications in a lot more detail. Thank you so much for being part of this episode of the On-Premise IT Podcast. If you enjoyed this discussion, please do subscribe so you won't miss an episode, and we'd love to hear your comments. This podcast was brought to you by Solidime, as well as by GestaltIT.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. For show notes and links and more episodes, go to GestaltIT.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.